You're listening to Community Now on Hope FM with Keith Jones Bookshop, serving the community for over 50 years. Visit keithjones.co.uk. Now, I know that many of, of you who listen to the programme would put yourselves in the retired bracket, but what exactly does that mean? I don't know whether you're like me, but I, I find myself busier than ever. If it, if it meant sort of putting your feet up. And uh, my next guest is going to help me with some of this because uh, she has got that retired label. But you're not exactly putting your feet up, Pamela, are you? Uh, no, I'm not. In fact, um, I laugh to myself because I'm retired, but I've actually got two jobs now instead of one. I, I saw that, actually, and we'll, and we'll get yeah. to that a wee bit later on. But but let's begin with your your faith journey, because obviously you weren't brought up in a, in a, in a Christian family. What what was life like for you in, in the early days? Yes, yeah, so as I was growing up, I, I was grew up in Leicester, and we weren't a church-going family at all. We never went at Christmas, we never went at Easter. I wasn't, you know, christened as a baby, even as a sort of token thing. So really, church didn't take any part of our lives when, when I was growing up. But I was obviously, um, as I became into teen years, I obviously started a sort of journey of searching, um, but I didn't know what I was searching for. Um, but I was searching for something spiritual. I, I realized that. And so um, I actually ended up living in Bath in my early 20s. And I joined them um, in those days because, as you say, I'm retired. So a long time ago in the early 70s, in hippie days, I joined a, a new age movement and had a, a guru. And actually the guru, it was the first time I ever, I'd ever heard in my life that a relationship with a God uh, made a difference. Of course, it wasn't the God we worship, but that was the very first time, having lived in this country all of my life, that I'd heard that God made a difference to our lives. So I was part of this movement for a few years, actually, for about four years, um, sort of growing in the movement and learning about that sort of spirituality, which um, was actually (laughs) wrong spirituality, I realize now. And I guess there would have been many, many young people like yourself, because obviously these were the days of John Lennon and uh, and wearing flowers in your hair and all that, that sort of thing. Yes, um, yeah, there were lots of people, because I think lots of people were searching, and, um, you know, sort of people like, you say, the Beatles, etc., they sort of led us down one sort of path. And um, so eventually one of my friends who didn't go to church either asked me to be a godmother to her baby. In those days, we still sort of had our babies, you know, christened, even if we didn't go to church. And that set me off on a journey of saying, well, what does it mean to be a godmother? Uh, And because my New Age movement accepted, sort of uh, said that all faiths led to the divine flame within, I started to um, ask questions about the Christian faith. In fact, I... I um, wanted to buy the baby something that would mean something to him, so I decided to buy him a Bible for when he got older. And I went into a bookshop and started looking at them all and ended up buying a um, new international version because it seemed like it was normal English. And I started reading it myself, and that was a journey that led me to become a Christian So uh, and leave my New Age movement and find out that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. 
So what were those early days of, of reading the Bible and, and discovering, of course, this, this God, of course, that, that you spent your life serving? Yes. Well, it's interesting because um, I started reading the Bible, and if you start at Genesis 1, you don't get very far by, before thinking, what's it all about? But a friend, some friends of mine who were next-door neighbours had just started um, out of the blue going to church, and they came back one day and they said, oh, it was really good. It was, it was actually a children's family service, and they, they decided to go back the next week. So I went with them. And in fact, in the earliest days, I used to listen to the sermons and get quite angry uh, because, you know, the minister was saying that Jesus was the way, and I was sort of still in, in my New Age sort of mode that all relig- religions led to the same divine flame. So I didn't tell the minister, but I used to get angry inside. And But I used to go back every single week. I was compelled to go back. And then one day my neighbours said they'd invited the minister to tell me, um, to tell them about what a... It was a Baptist church, and they just said... We've invited him to tell us what a Baptist church is. So I went round to their house to listen, and he told us the gospel. He used that opportunity to tell us who Jesus was. And again, I didn't really, I was a bit cross inside. I think being called a sinner, I wasn't very happy with that. You know, mm-hmm. in the, if, if in the story people who were sinners came to Jesus, then it, by inference I was one. But it was so funny because I went to the library the next day in the centre of Leicester to get out 50 books to read, you know, to see it all. And in the library, I just opened, flicked one book open, and it said what the minister had said the night before. And I just stood there and thought, this is true, this is real. So I count my conversion to Christianity as being standing in the middle of a public lending library with a book that I can't remember the title of. So, uh, <laughs> and, and life just changed from then. And the church I was in, the minister was actually really good. He had a discipleship class for new Christians because a number of us had become Christians, and he really um, taught us um, how to be a disciple of Jesus you know, really, really well. So I'm very, very grateful to that. Well, Pam, let's have your first uh, choice of music. Uh, we're, going, we're going to Ireland, actually, with Andy Flanagan. I'll let you introduce the song. Yeah. Yes, um, sometime, um, as we all do as Christians, I, I was a bit sort of feeling, you know, Lord, I'm, am I going in the right direction? I was a bit tired and bogged down. And I went to um, a Christian conference uh, and before the conference started, uh, Andy Flanagan was going to be the conference uh, the worship leader. But before it started, he said, I want to teach you a new song. And he taught this. And this is my, you know, we are blessed to bless the world in pieces. You know, we are free to be your hands, O oh God. And I thought this is why I've come, because it just reminded me of who I am and what I believe and it just refreshed me I I could have actually gone home then I thought this is why I came to this conference so I just think it's an amazing song of truth for Christians This is Hope FM. Well, we left Pam there uh, where she'd just made a commitment and and gone to church, getting a a bit angry, of course, uh, with the vicar because I guess, Pam, that was dealing with the exclusive 
message of the gospel, but also, of course, trying to marry that with uh, with your life, you know, under under the teaching of, of the guru. But nevertheless, uh, you were then eventually to go to Bible college. Why did you decide that you needed to go to Bible college? Well, I, I didn't decide that I needed to go to Bible college. Um, I worked as a civil servant, and I was a Christian, and I... In the church I was in, there were, I was in my early 30s by then, and a lot of people of my age were in the church. So I was having a really great um, Christian life, actually, and really enjoying it. And um, I went to church one Sunday evening, and the church wasn't um, what you'd call a charismatic church at all. It was a, a traditional church, but uh, there was a communion service, and... Um, at the end of the communion service, I was just sitting very quietly, um, minding my own business, when I, I heard God speaking to me. I mean, I didn't know God could speak to you because I'd never heard that he could, and I'd never got, I don't think by then I'd read the Old Testament prophets, you know, I was so new as a Christian. But I actually heard God's voice saying, go to college. So um, I sort of came away thinking, have I gone mad? Um, but I talked to a friend of mine who said, you need to see the minister. So I went to see the minister who uh, I thought he'd think I was a bit nutty, but actually he took me seriously. And we had some good discussions. I'd never heard of Bible colleges. Um, I'd never heard they existed. So I was thinking, well, what does God want me to do? Does he want me to go and be a teacher or something? But as I talked with my minister, um, it, you know, we realized... Um, and through prayer, that I was called to go to Bible college. And so, again, talking things through, you know, did I want to be a minister? Well, in those days, they didn't have women ministers, um, and I was quite a new Christian. So I felt um, a college like London Bible College, now the London School of Theology, would be a good place to go to work out what God was saying after that. So that's what happened a couple of years after becoming a Christian. I found myself in uh, sitting there in London Bible College studying for a theology degree. And I suppose also that hearing the voice of God, you, you were like a, a, a young female Samuel, weren't you? That, uh, you know, uh, it must have come as, a, as quite a surprise to be able to hear, hear, hear a voice and then thinking, well, was that really you, God? Yes, well... Yes, that's what I thought. I thought, if I got, am I going a bit nutty? Because uh, I'm not, you know, normally I'm not that sort of person that thinks you can hear voices. Or before I became a Christian, I wasn't. But uh, um, fortunately, I had a really good minister who, even if he thought I was nutty at the beginning, he took me seriously and, you know, helped me on my journey to Bible college. And I suppose the proof of the pudding was the fact that you actually got to Bible college, you were accepted, not new, and, and not everybody is accepted. But I guess that, that you must have felt a wee bit like a fish out of water in the early days. Well, it, it, um, it was a very, very steep learning curve, that's all I could say, um, because um, I, I hadn't done A-levels, although I'd been to art college after that, and suddenly I was doing a degree without doing A-levels, so I hadn't sort of studied at a higher level. I was very new reading the Bible, and in class sometimes with some of the other students, I couldn't even understand their questions. <laughs> I started thinking, what are they even asking? And I used to have to write lots of words down from the lectures to go and look in my dictionary when I got home. So at the beginning, it was a very, very steep learning curve. 
Um, but I think um, as I settled down and as I found, um, you know, when the f- first couple of terms that I could write essays and I could pass exams, I really then settled in and I, I just loved it. It was just a brilliant place to be to, yes, study God's word, to study theology, but also to meet so many other Christians who were being called to all sorts of things. So it was an amazing time after once I'd settled down, yes. Now, obviously, you'd, you'd had that amazing call to you, Bible College. How did the next call come, which took you eventually to, uh, to the Congo? Yes, well, interestingly enough, I... Um, thought i never had any thoughts about going overseas i i thought um because i'd been a christian up to the age of 30 and i'd never met anybody that told me they were a christian um in school in college in in work as a civil servant i just thought used to say to myself where has the church been all my life and i really had a passion to be in the uk to sort of help churches get out their doors so it came as quite a shock to me again it was um i don't have god speaking to me very often in the same way but this was another sort of call uh, dramatic call i was actually in the cinema watching um a passage to india it was and i just felt i didn't hear god's voice but i just felt myself responding by saying knowing that he wanted me to go overseas and in fact um I went home and I was horrified. <laughs> um, I was horrified. I, I didn't want to go overseas, but I knew that God had called me. Um, I've got to say now, they're about the only twice that I've had anything like that. So it's not throughout my life that he's sort of talked to me. Um, and I went to see one of my college lecturers, and he said, well, you can, you're already, you know, it's such a real call that you're already sort of mourning that you're leaving the UK, um, um, although I was only in my second year at college. So what I did was I um, prayed and went to different missionary societies and decided that the missionary society that was right for me was the Baptist Missionary Society, and I just offered to go wherever they wanted to send me. Um, I just said, here's, here's who I am, here's what I've done, send me where you feel is right. And so um, I ended up somehow um, in the Democratic Republic of Congo, which was Zaire in those days, right in the middle of Africa. You know, the interesting thing is that uh, I've been to a few African countries, but one of the most scary countries I've ever been to was the Democratic Republic of the Congo. What was it like whenever you got there? Was was it was the political situation unstable, of course, as it is at present? Uh, no, uh, they had President Mobutu then, who was a a tyrant, and um, it, so he kept it under sort of Street. deep control. Mm. Um, it was pretty scary, I think, in if you lived in the cities and the towns. But actually, I lived it right in the middle of the rainforest, right in the middle of nowhere, actually, in a tiny village uh, with no roads, uh, no running water, no gas, no electricity. So I was one of those sort of jungle missionaries. <laughs> uh, and it wasn't scary in the jungle. But if you went to the towns... Um, you know, to the capital or anything, you had to be really careful then, yeah. Now, what was your, what was your brief in the Bible College? What were you sent to do? I was, I was actually training Baptist ministers. Um, it was quite interesting because um, 
they were all men because you couldn't have women Baptist ministers, so they were all men, and um, I was sent to um, to train them to teach them theology. So I had to teach in French, teach theology in French. So that was quite an interesting challenge. Had you, did you have um, did you know, did you have French as a language, or did you have to learn? Well, I had O level French, and then I was sent to Paris for seven months to a full time language school to study French before I went. So I had a great seven months living in Paris before going off to Africa. So I taught in French. And um, so I was training Baptist ministers who would also mainly be in Baptist churches, sort of in the middle of the rainforest in different villages and towns. Hope FM, faith-filled radio. My very special guest today, Pamela uh, Bryan, and we've left her uh, in the in the Congo. I was going to say the scary nation of the Congo. I mean, wonderful sense of humour. So there you were as a woman, not being able to become a Baptist minister yourself, but finding yourself actually training those the, the, those men to, uh, to 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 prepare for ministry. What what was that time like for you? I think um, any um, anybody who has lived and worked in a, uh, such a different culture like that, um, it's uh, it's life changing, and it changes your life forever. Um, it was tough in some ways. Um, people say, "Oh, was it hard living without electricity and running water, etc.?" Uh, and that wasn't so hard because. We got used to how we did it, you know, um, sometimes when the water levels were very low in our rain tubs, we had to go and have a quick wash in the river and things like that. So we got used to that. But I think it's hard um, when you're separated from your family. And of course, in those days, there was no um, landline even of telephones, so no mobile phones, no emails, no anything. And letters were brought to us by... um, a missionary aviation fellowship plane about every six weeks so we got a letter we replied and then we got the reply sort of 12 weeks later so um being separated from friends but i think one of the main things is what god what god shows you really because um i lived with the people who were very poor um lots of you know everybody had lost a child um when I think about the pandemic that we have now, I, I think, well, people in countries like Congo live with that sort of fear of, you know, illness every day, fatal illness. Um, but learning a lot about God and his faithfulness in all of the things, too, that uh, we went through, and learning a lot about um, God's people who have nothing but a strong faith in him, I think it, it strengthened my faith. I probably learned more than I gave, if I'm truly honest. Um, I learnt more by living there and learnt more from the Christians than I was able to give. This might be a a difficult question to to answer, Pam, but what what was the highlight uh, of of your time in in the Congo? And probably what was the lowest point as well? Well, I think the highlights were my Bible school students and their families and their children, It was a small Bible school, so we were good friends, and uh, we used to have sort of, um, um, you know, without anything, you know, so Christmas was about worshipping God, so Christmas Day was five hours in church, um, and then afterwards perhaps a a party with the Bible school students where there'd be great rejoicing um, with, with very little, 
So um, I think that they were my Christian family there, and they were just really great, um, the men, the women, and the children. Uh, the lows were, I went through, the, diff, the Bible school I worked at, the, we went through a bit of a difficult time um, with some difficulties amongst, um, you know, as often happens with um, some of the colleagues, we had a bit of a difficult time. And um, you were just really, there was nowhere to go, you know. I thought, oh, shall I, you know, what shall I do? And there's, you know, there's probably nobody to speak to outside of the situation and nowhere to go, and a, and a sort of desperation. But then, of course, it throws you on God to sort it out and not other people, and it did sort out very well, um, but it was tough at the time just being there without your usual people that you could ring and say, help, I'm having a bad time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes. <laughs> well, of course, eventually you, uh, the mission had to evacuate from uh, from the Congo and you had to say goodbye. Yes. It must have been hard to say goodbye to, to so many people that you'd, you'd form relationships with, whether they were students or other local people that you were involved with. Yes. Well, the actual truth is we couldn't say goodbye. Um, what happened was um, the army rebelled against the president <clears throat> and um so the troops were where well, i moved by then to a small town nearby and the troops came out from their barracks and started um they were inciting riot and they were wrecking the town and getting everybody rioting so i was kind of stuck in a building watching it from an upstairs window thinking help this is this is terrible and uh, lots of shooting going on although i found out afterwards they were just shooting really to incite the riots not not killing everybody um so uh, eventually um what happened in the evening of that day i was with a zairean man and uh, we decided to try to get out of the building because it was in the center of the town and so we went off on my motorbike (laughs) Um, i had a motorbike and i said to him well you can you know be on the back and we'll just go through the riots to get out of here and so we got to the place where i was staying and uh, the riots went on for a few days and then we got a message people got a message to um, there were uh, some different missionaries in the town in living in different places about seven of us a message to say all get together this was a couple of days after the riot started and then we were taken to the airport to to get out and we were told that we must not tell anyone so we had to not say goodbye to anyone at all and we just had to go and when we got to the airport the french and belgium troops arrived to take us away (laughs) so uh, (laughs) yeah so um that was the sad bit um because one of my friends and his wife, uh, a minister and his wife, had come to see me, and I, I couldn't tell them that I was, I was, you know, that we were being taken away. That it, you know, we had to keep it secret. So I didn't say my goodbyes, which is really sad. Uh, well, that, that would have been a very sad point, you know. Yeah. Uh, have, you, have you had contact since with some of the folk? Well, interestingly enough, I'm... We've never, they've never had landlines there, but um, I'm Facebook friends with some of them now. It's quite amazing. The, the wonders um, of technology. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's quite funny, really. I think I'm Facebook friends with half of Zaire now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so back you come to the, the UK, and then, of course, you begin 
to to work for a number of churches and eventually of course go to all nations bible college where where you 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 tutored what were those years like uh i spent five years there and they were absolutely brilliant um all nations christian college i think is such an amazing college um training people for cross-cultural ministry uh, i think uh the staff I worked with at the time was some amazing members of staff. But the students, every single one of them, were there because they felt called by God to go into a cross-cultural situation. So they were such, you know, fantastic uh, people to be with and to help them to on their journey to go into cross-cultural missions. So uh, it, was a, it was a brilliant time. I can honestly say that when I worked there, I... I loved every single minute of it. <laughs> and of course, yeah. you couldn't have been better placed because you'd, you'd wore the T-shirt, you'd experienced it, what it was like to go to a, to a different country and to serve the Lord there. So I, I guess that the students must have been hanging on your every word on occasions. <laughs> on occasions, probably, yes. <laughs> but some of them already had amazing stories even before they came to college. It, it is a very special place. Yeah, it still is. Yeah, this is Hope FM. So, Pam, uh, so many years uh, have passed, and here you are, busy as ever, as a a non-stipendary uh, minister within the church. And for people who don't know, that means you're you're not paid, are you? No. <laughs> so doing twice as much work, but for for no pay. But clearly, you're somebody who can who can dip in a, into a lifetime's experience. What is your real passion for for ministry today? As you continue to to minister in in, in lots of different ways. Well, when I came back from Africa and finished at All Nations, I worked uh, for a church in South Croydon, Pearly Baptist Church. And I spent the last six years being their community minister. Uh, and that was, um, that's my passion. My passion since my conversion has been to get the church out the doors into the streets where the people are. And my full-time job at Purley, which was a large church, was getting their church out into the streets of Purley and Croydon um, rather than trying to get people in through our doors. And I think the church in the UK, it feels like over the last years, um, have sort of started to see that. I feel, to, I feel as though I used to be a bit of a lone voice, but now I think that's what churches realize they have to do um, to be out there. So I, w- I was allowed to be very creative with what I did in, in Purley, and we, it was an amazing time there as we did go out into the community doing lots of different things. Uh, one of the things I did there was to, um, the Christmas lights were little snowmen, um, and uh, one year Croydon said they weren't putting the Christmas lights up anymore, and so we had none in Purley. So I said to one of my friends, shall we put the Christmas lights back up mm-hmm. next year, uh, not knowing how to put Christmas lights up whatsoever, but it started um, the churches putting the Christmas lights up um, in the end, we bought angels. So if you drive through Purley, the Christmas lights are just glorious angels. 
Um, the switch on is one of the biggest events in Purley now with church, you know, the church doing it with school choirs and carols. We, we decided to try and win Christmas lights back for Jesus and, uh, uh, it was just, that was just so exciting. But we did loads of other community stuff as well. So when I retired and I um, came to the church where I am now, when I retired back to Leicester where I'd started my life, um, and the minister who was there at the time found out what I'd done. I'd tried to keep quiet for a while because I'd retired, mm-hmm. but he found out and he asked me if I would work part-time um, as the community minister here um, because they realized that that was something that was really missing and that they hadn't really done in this church. And the reason to become, if you like, the minister, community minister, I could have just done it anyway, but partially um, it sort of opens some doors into official things, you know, when you say, I'm the minister of the church, sort of doors open a bit more than just saying, here I am, I've just, you know, come in from the church. So, um, and obviously being on the ministerial team, I can give some of my many, 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 many years of uh, of uh, wisdom, hopefully. Um, and so, again, here, I'm trying mm. to lead the church out into the community. Um, and during COVID, I think it's been really, really important that churches have been seeking to be in the community, making a difference. For more inspirational interviews, podcasts, and Hope FM best bits, visit hopefm.com forward slash listen again.